0: Well, we have to continue looking back at the epic weekend that was at Carver Hawkeye Arena. First time in a couple of weeks, biz stops by. We'll break things down, take a look back, and a look forward. Iowa, Indiana coming up on Tuesday evening, a big one. Can the momentum actually go on the road? We'll talk about it today on Locked on Hawkeyes. Our Locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. That's biz. I'm Trent. And this is the lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Biz. What a weekend, huh? Over at Carver Hawkeye. I mean, just moments away from your front door. You can get there and back. It's not like me a couple of hours there, a couple hours back. No, you're 10 minutes away from Carver Hawkeye arena. Boy, it had to be enjoyable to be in the building for both of those games. Yeah, very funny, Trent. So, yeah, I, uh, as you know, I go to literally eighty percent of of
1: men's and women's games, but uh, I was over two this weekend. But uh, yeah, great weekend to be a hawk. We, we can talk about why I wasn't there, but I, I chose to be a good dad rather than a good Iowa fan this weekend. Fortunately, I, I did get to see both games. I just was watching it from the comforts of random. Uh, random gymnasiums around uh, Eastern Iowa instead. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, what a weekend, you know, from the, the men's epic comeback to a uh, hosting game day to a uh, uh, Caitlin Clark's crazy shot to uh, the baseball team pulling off a first win against the number one team and or first time they even played number one team. I think it was 50 years. So uh, yeah, so a fun weekend to be a Hawk. And uh, on top of that, you also had uh, the, the, Hilton magic disappearing and uh, the Badgers losing in heartbreaking fashion as well. So you really can't get, you can't, you couldn't script a better weekend guys. Be
0: no, absolutely not. And I've said my piece. I had to go on do an instant reaction podcast right after the game on Saturday. It was just, it was too much fun. Uh, the comeback that happened there. It certainly covered up a lot of warts about this team and it felt like very quickly uh, they were trending to bubble territory. Even before the game was played, Iowa throughout the last couple of weeks, they've been, Solidly, they had for a long time the fourth, fifth most quad one victories in all of college basketball. well, they're in good shape. Well, a lot of those quad one victories have changed, and they're no longer quad one victories. Well, they're down to four here. And if they would have lost that game to Michigan State, which looked like was going to happen for 38 and a half minutes, but they're going to lose that one. They were trending towards bubble territory very quickly. And I thought even, you know, if they would have lost a couple of games and maybe just only beat Nebraska here to finish things up in the season, I thought, no, that's not going to happen. The resume is not That is too good for that to happen. Well, it was going the other way. Seton Hall has dropped down. Wisconsin's dropped down. Michigan dropped out of the top 30 and on and on and on. It was getting scary in a hurry there. And I I had everything ready to go. with Just how bad that loss was going to be to Michigan State. But there's something about Carver and this Iowa men's basketball team. They've had a lot of comebacks now from the Peyton Sanford four-point play, what they did against Wisconsin, though they ultimately didn't win that game. This team, they're special. Something special is happening in Carver with this squad. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to overstate how huge that
1: comeback was, Trent, given the circumstances. As you said, it went from a a team that was staring down a, a likely four-game losing streak and being firmly on the NSA bubble to a team that, uh, you know, is now playing with kind of house money on Tuesday night. You can you can go to Indiana, and as long as you don't lose by 30, you're not going to – I mean, Indiana's really, really good. They're probably the best team in the Big Ten right now. And you go there and, and battle them, and you beat Nebraska, I think you can have a chance to get hot down the stretch here and – you know, it's it, it, the more important thing. Honestly, was just the mental, the mental aspect of this team. They, they were such a, just seemed like such a fragile team the last couple games, and the, the confidence was obviously low across the board. And you just had a couple guys that seemed like that last ninety seconds, the confidence just came back. I mean, the two guys I think of right away, obviously Chris Murray played a lot better those last ninety seconds and into overtime. The, the overtime, Chris Murray is what we've been waiting for. They got the ball to him in the post. He went up strong. He didn't hesitate. He he just kind of said in overtime, I'm the best player on the court. Give me the ball. And that's what they did. He got to the line a couple times. He scored a couple times. The other guy who I know the Iowa fan base kind of beats on him sometimes, I thought Patrick McCaffrey was huge that last 90 seconds. He's the guy that forced the travel. He's the guy that uh, got the offensive rebound on Chris Murray's first miss, kicked it back out to him, had the wherewithal to kick back to him, hit a three. And then he hit a three as well, uh, you know, and I know Patrick McCaffrey's not played great basketball the last month, but we need him. I mean, he, we're a team that only is seven deep right now. And is he going to be a 30 minute game contributor? No, we need him for 10, 15 minutes. And when he's playing with confidence and is at the front of that press, we're, we're different teams. So those two getting their confidence back and kind of getting that mojo back, I think is huge. I mean, it's just, the psyche of this team, I think changed significantly in that 90 seconds.
0: You, as most everybody listening knows, I love Tony Perkins. I've loved Tony Perkins from the first time I saw him strap it up in a Hawkeye uniform. There's just something about him and listening to the beat guys after the game. I mean, he is limping around after the games. He is struggling physically. He's got you know, some kind of injury that he is dealing with, but the tipping in that he had the putback dunk in overtime, just all these different things that Perkins has. He is out there grinding and he was also the one that went up to Hogard before that last free throw and had yeah, something to get, and and got him laughing a little bit, you know, and maybe just to, because they were hitting every free throw. This is so different. People remember probably the last big comeback like this in the NCAA tournament when Texas A&M came back against you and I. That was just you and I collapsing. I mean, there was dumb turnovers and missing shots, and it was a collapse. That's not what this was. This was Iowa making plays. This was Iowa coming back and doing it. Michigan State, until that final free throw, is making every single one. And Perkins, he's got an edge to him. We talk about Connor McCaffrey and playing with that edge. Robracha has that, too. One other guy I think we maybe have to throw in the mix is Peyton Sanford. But Sanford, when he was asked after the game, you know, when did you think uh, think that shot was going in? He said, well, as soon as he missed the free throw. I mean, that confidence that he has. And also, when Fran was over doing his stare down, and we'll get to that, don't worry. When he was over there, it was Peyton Sanford in the huddle. Talking to the guys, he is a real leader. Even as a sophomore, he's a real leader to this team, and he's he's got a little bit of that dog in him too. Well, that, that, and that's why, honestly, you you kind of hit on all the
1: different enjoyable people that are on this team. That, that's why this this comeback to me really is is that much more enjoyable. I, I did not want this team to end with such a negative note for the year. I mean, are they going to win the national title? Absolutely not. They've got plenty of flaws, like you said, but they're. They're a fun team. They really are a team that they they play really hard. I mean, the Wisconsin game we could hit the broadside of the barn and we were you know, still in the game. I mean, at Michigan State we could hit the broadside of the barn there. We're still in the game. And this team, they've got some flaws, but but they've got a toughness that some France teams have lacked, and it's it's across the board. I mean, they really do. That toughness is, is what won them the game. And so, real quick, Trent, we won't spend too much time on it, but I, I figure whenever we talk, uh, we're I'll come back we got to bring we got to bring the return of stat boy for the first time oh in yes multiple months because uh y- you're ready to you're ready to talk comebacks
0: yes yeah th- this is going to be a fun trip down memory lane and boy you didn't even uh give me a heads up on this one so nope. i'm looking forward to this i didn't my mind hasn't even gone to that point so i'll be like the listeners here we can reminisce about some of the great comebacks
1: well, no, you're not gonna be like the listeners, Trent, because you're gonna get quizzed too. You ready? Oh, okay. All right, yes. Here's the reason you're gonna get quizzed. This yeah. is how old this is how old and forgetful you and I have become. I, I reached out to Stat Boy and said, Hey, amazing comeback on Saturday. I'm talking to Trent tomorrow. Uh get me the get me the info on maybe you know top 10 comebacks. Mm-hmm. And, and Stat Boy, who uh is way more uh knowledgeable and, and is you know a genius when it comes to this stuff, immediately went and found Episode 85 of the Degenerate Hawkeyes, which was four years ago after the J-Bow game against Northwestern, when we had this exact same conversation. Oh, okay, great, great. So so rather than have the exact same conversation, Trent, I'll quiz you. Yeah. Uh, We talked about 10 great Iowa comebacks in February Mm -hmm. of 2019, with the j Bowl one being the the most recent of those 10. So let's hear it, Trent. How many – and this is – just for ease, it's starting with the Tom Davis era mm-hmm. to now. We're not talking. I'm not going to make you remember, a, a, you know, a comeback from when before you were born or, or while you're in diapers. So, uh, I'll put you on the spot here, Trent. We talked about ten of them back then. Okay, how many of the ten can you think of? There's, I think you can get at least six or seven just off the top of your head.
0: Well, you have uh, obviously the comeback against Illinois, the uh, big comeback when I was still ranked uh, number one, I believe, at the time. So, two. that one down. That's number two, and the no, no, we, we we were number two. We were number two at the yep. time. Okay, we, number two in the country. Yep, that's, that's that's one though. Yep, yep, one out of ten. So there's one of them. Ah, uh, let's see another comeback. One that jumped to mind. I don't know if they came back and won this game. It was Justin Johnson hitting a bunch of threes against Indiana. We did not win that
1: game, game, but he hit like six threes in in 90
0: seconds. So, uh, Yank George Washington comeback win in the Dr. Tom Aaron, the NCAA tournament. That's got there's a second very good one, 1996, down 17
1: with eight minutes to go in an NCAA game and ended on a 25 to six run.
0: That was a very good one, all right. So, we got a couple,
1: and also to go back the Illinois game you're referencing, 1987. We were 15-0, and 0, down 22 with 16 minutes to go against the number eight
0: uh, flying lion and came back and won. So there, there's your recap of that one. So there's, there's two. You got eight to go. So we crossed off two off the list. Well, and you mentioned that one against yep, Wisconsin. The,
1: the, the J-Bo game was one of the 10, 2019, down 12 with under three minutes to go. And J-Bo goes off, hits the game winner at the buzzer. So three out of 10, you gotta get at least If you can get at least two more, I'll start giving you some hints.
0: Well, do we count the one on Saturday?
1: No, that that's number okay. eleven. That's added okay. to the list.
0: That's added to the list. All right. There's Big a couple you back. should.
1: There's one obvious, obvious one, Trent. Because
0: well, the it, Chris Street game, the Michigan Chris
1: State. game, yes, the yeah. Chris Street 1993 first mm-hmm. game at Michigan State, down 15 with three and a half to go. So there's four. If you can get me one more, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll share the other five with you.
0: Big comebacks. I'm I'm thinking through going through the NCAA tournament. Were we down to oklahoma by double figures before the unlv collapse in the sweet 16 i don't we
1: think were, if we were, we were down but i don't was think that i think we were down by a, a 6 to 8 but it wasn't a, it yeah. wasn't a 20 point comeback by any means no not there's at a all. couple from your college years t- two different ones from your college oh the area. indiana
0: gate luke recker the comeback there against indiana yes yep. uh, yes thank you for recessing yep. the memory a little bit yeah Gotta go. put that one there. I'll write so that, so that's Lecker. that's five. Luke
1: record 2001 down 17 at the half. He comes out, hits three threes in a matter of 90 seconds. We uh we storm back and, and and win uh in Recker's uh triumphant battle against his uh his home home state school. So there's five. Are, are you there's you, you feel yeah, confident anymore? Or do you want me to walk you through the other five?
0: Walk us through the other ones. Yeah, there's there's nothing that jumps to mind at, at this point so and course you're going to say them and i'm going to be kicking myself for not remembering but help me out yeah, i think there's only one you're going to kick yourself on
1: the, the first one we'll go, we'll go back in time the first one's way back in 1987 the same year as the illinois game mm-hmm. early in the year we went to the the old great alaska shootout which
0: was legendary at the time i think we beat Villanova that year somebody else in there okay yeah help me you out North, that northeastern be,
1: that's who we that's who we so the funny thing is northeastern is who we played in the championship in of the, that championship, game, they, was yeah. the coach there. They upset Villanova, I believe. Oh, okay. That's what yeah. it was. But uh, we played NC State in the semifinals, down 12 with two and a half minutes to go and came back and won. So, uh, th- NC State that's... was
0: the bane of our existence in the 80s. Yeah. Football
1: and yeah. basketball. And two years later, 1989, the uh, my uh. the saddest game, the end of the Armstrong-Horton uh, <laughs> Marble era. We, that's a whole other podcast. So, yeah. That's six. Next one's the one I think you should have got. At? fog allen in 1998 the kent, the kent Oh game.
0: yes yeah there was a kid on my floor at mayflower that he was a kansas fan grew up in kansas city and he always wore his jayhawk gear so i remember watching the game with him and and definitely had a lot of chuckles at the end of that one and the big comeback yep. and then the following year uh, happened in carver and a nice win there but yeah kent McCausland just going absolutely crazy yeah, the Kansas had
1: the longest home-winning streak in the nation at the time, down 18 with 13 to go, and we uh, we pull off the miracle on the back of the legendary Kent McCausland. So the the last three, Trent, I wouldn't expect you to remember them all. They're, they're all within the last 10, 12 years, but the first of the three, by far the worst opponent, but the biggest comeback. Gardner Webb? Gardner Webb, baby. It's down 23 yes. and down 20 at the half and, and uh, came back. Came back to uh to beat to beat the legendary Gardener Web uh, squad, which uh, booker reminded me, uh, or by reminded me, coached by Chris Holtman at the time.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good pull on that one. I just uh, I remember that game eight because he said bad opponent, and that jumped into mind. And I watched that one from the water park here in uh in Des Moines, the indoor water park, and uh, found a little corner bar and was able to watch the game there. Oh, uh, what memories!
1: So, uh, last two on the list that we talked about. And again, this is back in 2019. So it doesn't count the Indiana comeback this year. But last two, 2016 at Purdue, t- top 10-ranked Purdue team. We were down 19 and, and stormed back and actually won pretty easily at Mackey. We won like 70-63, to 63, but we are down 19 in the unbelievable second half.
0: Was that the game that was like January 2nd? Because I think I w- we were coming back from the Rose Bowl, if I remember, because I flipped it on my phone after we landed. We landed in St. Louis and watched the end of the game with Tom Cakert from Hawkeye Report. As we were watching and walking in and going to get our bags in St. Louis, so yeah. if memory serves, I think, serves, I think you beat Michigan out.
1: State right before that. Yep. While we're while we're in the uh, in, in Pasadena and then right after, we had the miracle comeback. and then the last on the list, two years after that, 2018 at Illinois, we were down 20. That was the year we were bad, bad team. What friend's only bad team in the last seven eight years. We were 0 and five to start the Big Ten, and hmm. looking squarely at 0 and six, and we uh, that was the team that lost every road game by like 20 that year but somehow we miraculously uh came back and beat a good illinois team down 20 so so that's the 10 Trent. so you add in saturday's miracle here's the question for you where does where does saturday's miracle fit for you if you had to rank those 10 and and then put uh saturday's miracle in there I, i i went through and did it so i know where i have it listed where would you put it on the list
0: I know latest is always the greatest, right? And your early, your most recent memories start to go up there. The George Washington one because it was in the NCAA tournament, and they had Yenka Dare and they had that five foot four point guard too. And it was just because of the tournament that's going to be there. And it was also time. I mean, it was it was the '90s, and it was a little different time. I was in high school at the time, but you were in college, right? And I'm sure that was a fun celebration after that one. That's going to be up there for me. But I mean, in terms of improbable factor. This is number one. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The improbable nature of this one, this one is going to, this is going to be one that I won't forget. When we do this in another four years, this one will certainly be a whole lot memorable. George Washington, NCAA tournament, big. Illinois, same kind of thing, just time period, and that thing has resonated for a long time. It's definitely top three, I'd have to say, out of this list. Where'd you put it?
1: i put it as four. I still think the Chris Street one is number one because of the, the because of the circumstances i had george washington two and then the illinois in 97 is three and then this one falls in four uh, just because the other three i mean the circumstances of those other three i mean you had it the chris street game an ncaa game and a, the greatest start in, in iowa history we were, we, we were number two in the nation at the time but uh, you know, as far as improbable i think you're correct it was number one because looking at the other numbers Almost all of them, the comeback started with three, three and a half, four minutes to go. I mean, this one didn't start until literally 89 seconds to go. I mean, we were down 13 with 89 seconds and down, what, 10 with, with 40 seconds to go. Yeah. So improbable number one, but as far as like just historic, I'd say number four.
0: Now, if this ultimately is the difference in Iowa, they end up as a seven seed. and Boy, that draws really good. And they get to the sweet 16 for the first time in 25 years, then that also probably builds the lore a little bit more with it. I mean, it's the story's not done for this Iowa basketball team. Now, if it ends in a thud, you know, they get beat in the first round again, and it just kind of ho-hum is just kind of a footnote. And, well, that team was really good at Carver that year and awful on the road. It's just going to be one of those footnotes. And remember that game that goes there. So still a lot more to be said, but, oh, what a fun one. Now, Biz, I've watched it, that final 90 seconds now, I don't know, a half dozen times already, and I, I'm going to watch it a whole lot more. That's definitely one going to be part of the summer viewing also uh, coming up this summer when you're looking for something Hawkeye and your Mets aren't playing, the Twins are off, and I'm looking for something in July. That's going to be on the DVR for a long time, I have a feeling.
1: Yeah, put, put, on, put on the list of uh, DVRs that you go back to five years later and watch again. So.
0: Well, Biz, uh, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back here. There was a whole lot more. It ends in a victory, but there were still some things that left you scratching your head. The defense was deplorable at times. There's also times Michigan state just making shots. Also the Fran stare down. We'll get Bez's thoughts on that. When we come back here rolling through on a Tuesday, it's locked on Hawkeye. Stay right there. We're back with more in a moment. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a built bar. As we make our way here into the new year, trying to eat healthier. This is a great thing for you. Looking for that sweet tooth. They have you covered. Well, what built makes Built Bar so good? They're covered in 100% real chocolate all the time. Great flavors: churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and a whole lot more. These taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better? They're healthy. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't have to wait around. You can still get them online at Built.com, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. At Walmart, head to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of built bars. They have the four bar boxes right now cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, they got the big box there, the 13 bar box with their hip flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank us later. Trent Biz back with you again here on Locked On Hawkeyes. As always, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. And I see you salvivating over there. What'd you miss lunch? What's going on? So
1: if I'm just wondering, if, if you live down south, can you get bilk bars at, at, at bilk stores? Because isn't, isn't the bilk bowl like a supermarket down there?
0: It, it is. I think it's actually, it's like a Kohl's. I think that's the kind of thing that I it don't, is. Yeah. Can you get bulk bars at a bulk store? That's, that's a good question. Well, well, we'll check on that next time we make a trip south. All right, Biz. The France stare down. I gotta, I, I've said my piece. I had my tweet. I called it embarrassing. I still agree. I think Fran agrees because he didn't want to talk about it after the game and said, I don't know what you're talking about. With a little chuckle in his voice when he was asked about it in the post game, I just saw it as a bad look. But I'm going to leave it open ended to you. Your takeaway from that? Well, I, I honestly,
1: I think there's two things that are embarrassing here. The first thing is his friend's behavior. It's embarrassing. It's you know, it's childish. It reminds me of my six year old kid and how he acts. And it's that's the first thing that's embarrassing. The second thing that's embarrassing is the number of quote unquote Iowa fans who justify it and claim that because we came back and won, it was somehow a great coaching move. I just can't be any further from the truth. The fact of the matter is, Trent, he quit coaching that team. He was done coaching. And you said it. Fortunately, Peyton Sanford was the adult in the room, and he got everybody together. And the other adult in the room was Tony Perkins, who had yes. to go stop Fran from going over and getting ejected from the game. And fortunately, he's got a mature team that handles themselves well in these situations because they won in spite of Fran McCaffrey uh, on Saturday. They didn't win because of him. You and I grew up in a a town that had an unbelievable basketball coach and one of the best basketball players I've ever played with in my entire life. Mm -hmm. He was also a coach, but he also was prone to doing things like this every once in a while. And I remember a game when he just stopped coaching and went and sat in about the fourth row of the stands Mm -hmm. and I saw the
0: exact same thing in a different game than the one that you're talking
1: about. And and I I remember at the time, I mean, as like a 16 year old kid thinking, this is ridiculous. Act like an adult. And I love the guy. You love the guy, you know, (laughs) but you can make mistakes. And what frustrates me is that Fran just has no, there's no remorse at all for it. There's never a time when he's like, you know what? I shouldn't have done that because you know, I know I'm, I'm a Fran apologist. I you know. As a like fan, I think Fran. You know, it's interesting, because you know, to kind of go behind the curtain here. You, you know, any of our listeners. We have a we're lucky. Trent and I have a group of what fifteen friends that that talk about Iowa sports all together, and we're all diehard Iowa fans. And you know, most times Trent and I are the ones backing Fran in these situations. they no backing him in this situation. It was embarrassing, and it, it's it was embarrassing to the point where a few of our friends have gotten to the point where they're like. I'm done with Fran. I'm ready to move on from Fran. I'm not, uh, but I really, really wish he would show some remorse from time to time. I wish he would, instead of giving the stupid smirk and acting like it didn't happen. I wish he, because he does such a good job of doing so many other things, supporting his players, being a good person in the community. um, you know, Building a competent
0: basketball program. Exactly.
1: Building a program, identifying talent, you know, those types of things. I mean, he's, Like I said, if you made a pros and cons list, there's 20 pros about Fran McCaffrey, and there's one con, and that con is his continuing embarrassing behavior on a national level, and it's becoming worse, not better, and you and I know the administration in Iowa is never going to be the adult in the room and stop him, so I just wish he'd show just even a tiny bit of remorse and be like, you know what? If I had it to go back and do it again, I wouldn't do it. Because that's what pisses me off. Because I think he thinks the same way some of these so-called fans do, which is, yep, it worked. No, it didn't. It didn't work. You're just really lucky that Kelly Pfeiffer was the adult in the room also and didn't kick mm-hmm. you out. Because we've won two games now in spite of our coach. The Indiana game, he should have got ejected. Mm-hmm. I was there. I watched him walk over across mm-hmm. over there. He should have got ejected. In fact, he did get ejected. They gave him a second technical it's, and then said, oops, never mind. Yeah. And this game, he should have got ejected. Yeah, well, from what he did, Kelly Pfeiffer should have ejected him. But, you know, you know, I've ref for 20 years. Kelly Pfeiffer's a good official. And, and there's, <laughs> yes. there's, there's some bad officials. Courtney Green. Courtney uh, Green. <laughs> I mean, there's a bad official in the Big Ten. That I, but Courtney and and King, if you would have, have tried that
0: against Courtney Green, he would have. Been. Oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and even some good officials will have ejected him, but Kelly mm-hmm. Pfeiffer, fortunately, stayed calm. And because if he takes one more step or Pfeiffer rightfully ejects him, the whole story right now is all about free. Thank God the team came back and won, so we're not dealing with it. And, and it's a secondary story, but it, it's going to cost us wins at some point. It should have cost us two already this year. And it just, it infuriates me that he stops coaching his team. And, and it happens regularly. And I just, I don't know. It, it, at some point in time, somebody's got to get through to him. Whether it's one of his assistants, whoever it is, guy, be like, "Hey, you're not helping the team in these situations," and it, it's it, it's embarrassing, but it's also embarrassing that we have a certain part of our fan base that, that likes it, that, that thinks, "Oh, that's 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 a good thing." It's not a good thing. There's nothing good about what he did. It, it takes away from an amazing comeback because it, it, people still have to talk about the story and he becomes a national joke. Cause he shouldn't be, he's a good guy and a good coach. And, and he, he makes himself look worse by doing these types of things. So, and a rant.
0: like, like you said, biz, I'm a friend defender. I like what this program is and what they become and their identity should be the great offense. we, you think back in when people talked about Iowa basketball, when we were growing up and c- certainly in the Dr. Tom, it was about the full court press, hard work in Iowa kids. This is what, you know, what you're going to have. Uh, the flat 2-3 zone, and you are going to shoot threes over top of it, and that's going to drive us nuts. But you had an identity. The identity of Iowa basketball, people knew what it was for a 15-year run. Our identity, unfortunately, today on a national scale is, oh, yeah, the program with the psycho coach. That's how people nationally look at it. And every time one of these incidents happen, you're going to see the Seth Davises of the world, and you're going to see the national college basketball media and the Gary Parish and people like that. And what they're going to say is not, wow, what a comeback. Ah, here goes Fran again, doing his thing. And that's the unfortunate part about it. Does it work? Well, that, not the stare down, just in general. His technicals work quite often. He does a good job of, of his team. And because he has his players back, it seems to motivate them. I have no problem with the technicals most of the time, but it's, it's these instances, when it goes from freaking out, getting a technical, and your team comes back. When it goes to that next level, and that's what Saturday was with the stare down, is taking it to that next level that's what I have a problem with. I love the passion. I love passionate coaches. I'm fine with that part of it. It's just the angles when he goes to that level that just makes it makes it unseemly and makes Iowa basketball kind of a laughingstock when it comes to the national impenia. When people talk about Hawkeye basketball, that's what they talk about.
1: Well, and, and you hit the nail on the head because it really is. There's a fine line between getting a technical. that there, I do think some of his technicals are, are strategic. But there are certain certain times when he's very lucky that that Kyle Denning is there to tackle him. I mean, that's basically (laughs) his job is is to get that guy like you have on the sidelines for for football. I mean, when he gets to the point when he can't, when he just loses his mind and he stops coaching, that's a problem. I mean, that is a problem that, again, is going to lose us a basketball game eventually. And and it probably should have lost us a basketball game or two already this year. But uh, when if you get to the point where you lose your mind to the point where you cannot coach anymore, you're hurting the team. And that's that's the fine line where he, yeah. I agree with everything you said, but the passion is good. The inability to control that passion sometimes is bad.
0: With that, we will wrap things up on the other side here. As we take a look at that Iowa baseball team, a five and one start, including the win against number one LSU, a huge performance there. Brody Breck, wild F- he was effectively wild in the game as uh, they get it done against the top team in the country. We'll talk about that a little on the Iowa women's basketball team, and what is the ceiling for this men's team? We'll do that when we come back here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Back with you one final time on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. With our experts, Isaac Shade and Andy Pratton, bringing you everything you need to know on and off the floor. Hear from the big names in the sport. Coaches, players, all throughout the college basketball landscape. With Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Biz, as we wrap things up here, you uh, posed an interesting question, I thought, to me. We've talked a lot about this men's team. What is the upside? They've won... Four, five unprobable games now in Carver Hawkeye. Well, four and five Would he throw the Wisconsin comeback to at least force overtime in that one, though they fell short in it in Carver back in December. They're great at home. On the road, though, they stink. They can't shoot it. They beat an average Clemson team in the neutral court, but the other two games against TCU and Duke, they were run off the floor here. And this just in, they will not be playing men's games this year in Carver Hawkeye Arena. So what do you see the upside? Because until I see something different on the road or a neutral venue, it's hard for me to believe that they could even win a game in the NCAA
1: tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think the absolute ceiling for this team is, is probably the Sweet 16. I mean, if you, if you could, if they make Sweet 16, everybody, I hope everybody agrees that that is would be phenomenal success. I mean, they've got too many flaws. I mean, the thing is, Trent, we've talked about this before, this team can beat any team in the nation. There's sure. not a team. For a couple reasons. One, because they can score with anybody. 2nd there's just not a great team this year. I mean, there was that stretch of three, four years in a row where we got, you know, we were a seven seed, eight seed, somewhere in there. And the second round, we just ran up against the Gonzagas and the Villanovas of the world that were just, I mean, they're going to beat us 95 times out of 100. Yeah. Right now, there's not a great team right now. So I, they can beat anybody but they've got too many flaws to realistically think they can string together more than probably two wins in an NCAA tournament. And so the, the ceiling to me, the absolute upside is, is a sweet 16. But, uh, you know, things got to go really well. They got, I mean, like you said, they got to shoot well in those games
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because they're so offensive oriented. And, and But, you know, the same thing you said about Iowa basketball pl- applies to a lot. You know, look at Maryland. I mean, they're the exact same as us. Maryland's a totally different team at home as they are on the road. Iowa State's a totally different team as they are on the road. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of teams that uh, are pretty flawed when they go on the road. So, uh, you know, whoever we get to play in that, you know, we're going to be probably somewhere between a best-case scenario six seed, worst-case scenario probably 10 or 11 seeds. We're going to be somewhere in that six, eleven, seven, 10, 8, 9 seed. We're going to be playing someone flawed. I mean, so, yeah. somebody, that's, you know, somebody that's got as many flaws as we do. So – no, I think this team, if, if everything falls together, they can get to sweet 16, but that's, that's as far as they're going to go. I mean, they got too many flaws to, to make a run of five, six, seven wins in a row.
0: Let's hope it's in Des Moines. That'd be cool to see. And maybe get the shot against Kansas in Des Moines. Man, that wouldn't be a bad thing in the round of 32. Obviously got to get there, but a lot still in front of them. Women's basketball, the Caitlin Clark shot coming off the screen. First of all, how's Anano? Was able to set that screen and get her that free. Got to give a ton of credit to Monica uh, for making that one. But you're Indiana, aren't you? Double, triple teaming her there. I mean, what are you doing? You can't let that her. Question catch is, the you're ball. Indiana. Why
1: the hell didn't you? In terms of
0: miss the second free throw. Absolutely.
1: You, you've got the one of the top five players in the nation at the line. She looked over to the coach and was like, "You want me to miss this?" She said, no. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, Mackenzie Holmes. Could, I mean, this isn't some random person off the street, Mackenzie Holmes could easily potentially miss that free throw, make them run after it, and then all of a sudden you got point seven instead of one point five. So I, I Indiana did a lot of dumb things, but that is a really good Indiana basketball.
0: They're team. excellent. They're aren't really they? good.
1: I mean from a depth they might be
0: they're one of the few teams I think that can beat South Carolina.
1: Yeah. I mean they're they're, they're depth. Definitely. They're depth one to five. I mean there there aren't many women's basketball teams of all five players all five of your starters are can score twenty in a given day and, and they definitely can and they're yeah but yeah, uh, things had to go. A lot of things had to go right for Iowa to win that game. Fortunately, they, they all did. So, uh, but yeah, capped off a one hell of a weekend at Carver.
0: <laughs> we were uh, certainly spoiled. And then as the men's game on Saturday is finishing up, I, I flip over and I see I was up against LSU and not just beat LSU. I mean, they throttled them. 12-4. They kept extending the lead. They were swinging the bats incredibly well. LSU's been practicing outside for a while. Not the case for this Hawkeye baseball team. I posed the question to a couple of people to follow Iowa baseball a lot closer than I do and said, is this going to be a chance to be their best team since the last NCAA tournament team four years ago? And they said, absolutely. I mean, it has that kind of upside there. Brody Brecht was wild, what, eight walks in the game, but he was able to get out of the jam in the first inning, loads up the bases and three straight strikeouts. He's, he's really, really talented in this team. They got three good pitchers now at the top. They got depth there and they can swing it a little bit. Should be a fun season this spring for the Hawkeye baseball team.
1: Unfortunately, as you learn every year with Iowa baseball, that the margin of error is just so ridiculously thin. That you know, the purpose of these midweek games against random teams should be to get in players you know, 20 through 30 and get in some opportunities to play. But I can't do that because you, you lose to one, uh, you know, one midweek game to Cornell that looks a lot worse than unfortunately the one win against LSU. See, so it, it, they just they you know, they got they got to keep winning. It's the LSU win looks awesome for a week or so, but uh you know, you saw last year it was at Rutgers that was second in the conference, made the championship game, and still didn't make it. I mean, there's just zero respect for the Big Ten. I mean, hopefully it's gets them a little bit of respect, but they still I mean, matter. End of the year, they're going the they to win 65% of the games. they have any chance to get in.
0: And, uh, well, they will have an opportunity, it feels like, with this team. Coming up this weekend, they head down to South Alabama. The home opener uh, happening on Tuesday, the 28th, against Loris, weather permitting. And then they go to South Alabama Invitational. Southern South Alabama and Pepperdine await down there. And then they have a big series coming up in the beginning of March as they'll go down to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. Had one game against them last year and had four errors in that game. Had an opportunity, obviously, to win that one. But all important here for the baseball team. But uh, good stuff there. Well, Biz, before we get out of here, you got a business beat for us this week.
1: Yeah, my business beat goes back to uh, the great Caitlin Clark, Trent. Uh, I know it's fashionable for Iowa people to uh, freak out online about her being the uh, National Player of the Year, but I feel like we're, we're just being like baited by trolls because uh, I, got, I got news for everyone that's on this. I'll just go ahead, and, I'll go ahead and call it, Trent. Caitlin Clark is going to win the National Player of the Year <laughs> award. Like Just because somebody has the audacity to put other names in an article to try to uh, get clicks doesn't mean you have to get fired up and respond every time to that, that, that article, uh, she's going to win it. She may win it unanimously. Like she's, she's going to win it. Like, I know you're mad that she didn't win it last year, but she's going to win it this year. I, I, I will lock it up, guarantee it. Prom- like We are a degenerate gambling podcast, right? whatever the odds are. Uh, if there's odds about who the last player of the year is when, go ahead and bet it because she is going to win it. So uh quit worrying about it. So uh, that's my business beat that, lock it up, guarantee it. She is the national player of the year across the line, pretty much everywhere. I mean, every legitimate service, she is going to be the national player of the year this year. So there you go. Lock, lock it up. Lock it up, throw the key away.
0: I'm uh, looking at our, our friends over at FanDuel. They do not have, they have the wooden award up to uh, for men's college basketball, but nothing for the women's game. Uh, by the way, Zach Eadie, uh, minus 10,000 to win the national player of the year.
1: But I, I guarantee I Trent, you can go find an article. That Talks about other options than Zach Eadie. <laughs> and I've Purdue fans probably aren't freaking out that someone else mentions Trace Jackson Davis or you know, whoever you know, ju Timmy or people like that. Like, the fact they're getting mentioned, I mean, they have a job to do, they have a job to write articles. They're told by their boss, Go write an article, at the national Player of the year. Just because just they write the article doesn't mean you have to uh, freak out about it. She's going to win,
0: so uh, don't take the go. bait. That's my, lock, that's my lock of the year right there. Good stuff. Hey, Biz, uh, we'll try again next week. We'll see if, what the schedule is. We'll have the Big Ten tournament bracket in front of us and making their way to Chicago this year. Still a lot of scenarios, and the, even with the loss against Indiana, they're still not realistic, but a plausible way for Iowa to still get the double bye, which is crazy to think, but that's how jumbled up this thing is. Two games in front of us. It's Indiana, and then finishing up against Nebraska. Biz, have a good week.
1: Yeah, be somewhere between five and eight. We'll get the single bye, but that's, you know. Like you said, there's there's scenarios, but uh, be ready to play on Thursday.
0: We'll be ready. Hopefully they are too. All right, go Hawks. Go Hawks.